1: Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting psychologist, Dr. Rick Hansen. He's the author of many books, including Making Great Relationships, Simple Practices for Solving Conflicts, Building Connection, and Fostering Love. I'm speaking with Rick at his home by Remote Connection. Welcome, Rick, to the New Dimensions Cafe.
2: Gobble it up. I'm happy to be here, (laughs) Justine.
1: Great, great. You know, Rick, in these times, it seems as if so many of us are speaking past one another and not truly engaging in real dialogue as we try to exert our opinions and influence one another. So in your experience, Rick, what is the first step? Do you feel in getting out of our silos of monologues and entering like this true dialogue?
2: Partly, you're probably talking about politics.
1: Right.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, partly that. And also, you know, just our personal relationships that we might have something to say to our partner, our spouse. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. we're just kind of talking our own stuff. You said, he said, I said, yeah. you didn't, I didn't. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Definitely talking about my marriage of 41 years now here. You're, <laughs> you're getting personal, Justine. Oh, I see. Dear. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: didn't okay. Mean to. So.
2: A few things, I think of them a little bit, as almost like a pre-flight checklist, just boom, 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 you know, many of them probably obvious, maybe there's some new information here. Uh, First of all, start by listening. What's going on here? Slow it down to gather information and reserve to yourself, this is really important, especially if you belong to a group of people that's been oppressed in one way or another. Claim for yourself the right to see what you see value what you value and plan what you plan. In other words, look and try to see what you actually see. What's going on here? Is this person sincere or are they just trying to troll me? Is this a really minor matter and I'm just getting my knickers in a twist about it? Or is this the fifth time that this other person has thought it's just fine to break their agreement with me? what's actually the case and what are the relevant values? You know, why do I care about it? Is this one of those things where, you know, Uncle Bob, he just thinks that the earth is hollow and flying saucer people live there and they're running Wall Street and fine, Uncle Bob, you want a beer? <laughs> or fine, Uncle Bob, pass the salt. You just let it go by. Or is this something that you really care about and is really important? So I think all that's important. And then for myself, um, really about political conversations in particular, It's to just kind of realize what is the intent of the other person? Are they grounded in the two core values of healthy relationships, telling the truth and playing fair? Playing fair means that rules for me are rules for them and rights for them are also rights for me. Are they? Or do they think that it's just fine to lie or to support people who lie all the time or make it hard to find the truth? Or do they have double standards? that you know as long as you know they do it it's fine but if other people do it it's shameful right you just start to discern people and frankly you begin to realize that there's some people that are just kind of in a cult they're committed to a certain view of the world that's crazy cakes not grounded in reality and they're committed to a set of values that are about you know their own self interest with great harm on other people around the world and be prepared to see that And to not feel like both sides do it, when only one side is doing it, really, when that's true, right? And to claim for yourself a kind of moral confidence, not out of righteousness, not out of superiority, but out of just observing, you know, the commitment of other people to these two bedrock principles of telling the truth and playing fair.
1: I'm just wondering, I feel like there are some people who are holding on to what I would call like crazy conspiracy sort of things. Mm -hmm and their possibly their motivation is to and i can't say for sure but for power let's say or something other than truthfulness mm-hmm. but there could be a whole group of people yeah. that sincerely believe what they're being fed mm-hmm. and if i want to have a dialogue with them how Mm -hmm. To approach that.
2: Right. Um, That's a very specific case. So if you're with someone who you can tell is genuinely open-minded, rather than someone who's just pounding you with their talking points or trolling you, then I think it's really helpful to draw on the whole bridging differences movement and conversations that cross the divide movement in America and elsewhere. For example, living room conversations is an organization I wanna put a real flag around, founded by Joan Blades, the co-founder of moveon.org. Living Room Conversations is wonderful. There's a wonderful set of approaches here, to be really, really clear about it. On the other hand, I have seen a lot of people, sometimes me included, waste a lot of time arguing with people who are kinda in a cult, and they're just Mm -hmm. not gonna budge, and they're not there to budge and there's just no gain there.
1: I think it, that you use that, um, just avoid those no-win dialogues. Just yeah, don't put your energy into them, right?
2: Yeah, and really, I find it really quite interesting that um, I think it's just factually true that liberals and progressives in general tend to be more inclined towards self-inspection and self-criticism, and so tend to take it on board. Well, both sides do it especially when you have these centrist, so-called referees in the media who are institutionally committed to a view that, well, both sides are the same. Well, actually, when both sides are not the same, you need to tell the truth about that. You know, both sides are not the same in America about supporting an insurrection on January 6th that tried to overturn a free and fair election, right? Both sides are not the same in terms of creating an access to voting in a democracy, which is the foundation of democracy pure and simple. So, you know, I I think it's, you know, my own view as someone who's really into compassion and relatedness and kindness and self-respect to be really clear that if we perpetuate a lie that both sides are doing it, that's not wise or helpful. And, um, you know, so inside that context then, yeah, I find it's really helpful to share experiences and to share about values. As soon as we start getting into arguing about facts with people or policies with people, then we tend to get in trouble. So these two principles from the Bridging Differences Movement are good guidelines. If you intend to have that conversation, ask, share experiences, ask about experiences, and then talk about values. Values and see if you can find common ground in the common humanity of shared experiences, or at least you can understand the different experiences that lead people to different policy positions. You know, maybe some one person grew up with guns in their home and it was no big deal, no big deal. They lived in a rural setting, it was just commonplace. Or maybe they were in an environment where one of their parents was being stalked by a former lover and their parent needed to have a gun to protect themselves. Or on the other hand, they grew up in a situation in which guns were anathema or maybe they had a family member who was shot and killed, you know. Uh, So they have a very different experience about all this. Exploring experiences is useful and deep values. Like deep down inside, do we all have a value that children should be able to go to school without having to walk through a metal detector and without fearing for their life every day? Can we agree on that? Can we also agree on the value of reality testing, which means that we can recognize that of the 20ish or more wealthy democracies in the world, only one has a serious problem with gun violence. Only one, that's a fact, and that's America. Yeah, yeah, can we start with fact-finding and truth-telling, you know, uh, can we, You know, understand that the plain meaning of the Second Amendment is a well-regulated militia. It's about a militia. It's about a citizen's assembly, like a National Guard. You know, can we understand that? There's a place for a well-regulated militia. That's really different from there being more guns in America than there are people.
1: Mm. Just thinking about reality testing. Everybody who listens to New Dimensions knows that I'm progressive in my leaning. And so you said something earlier about how maybe progressives really look more like, okay, well, the other side, and we tend to kind of try and take the bigger picture in. But on the picture within myself, what is your advice as to how I can look at where I'm holding something that's not true that I'm sticking my flag on a hill that Mm. maybe is not that place that's been tested in reality.
2: I have professional expertise as a psychologist. Uh, I don't have as a political scientist. There, I'm just another guy at the table with his two cents. So that's the status of what I've said so far, which should be judged on its merits or lack of, you know, by the listeners to this program. So that's part one. Second, I'll just say from my own background, my family culture runs mainly through North Dakota and a kind of Midwestern, gun-owning, conservative orientation to things. And I was a registered libertarian for a long time because I have a very strong feeling about resisting authoritarian tyrants and a belief in markets and, you know, earning your way and so forth. So, I, you know, I want to be kind of clear about where I kind of come at this myself. To your question, here is where I do have some expertise as a psychologist. Self righteousness, that intensity, that argumentative intensity, that's a clue. That's a yellow flag. Now, you think about great teachers and advocates and social change people that we revere, you know, they had an intensity. They were putting it right out there. But that sustained, angry, contracted murmur, that's a yellow flag, if not a red one. Second, identification with view. If you start getting identified with your views, and really mm, my view, my precious, right? That too is a clue. Second, look to see what's the actual effect. You know, when you look at that other person, are you persuading anybody? Are they budging or are they just getting their own hackles up and they're coming right back at you? Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot myself, um, speaking of America, The participation in elections is abysmally low. Nearly half the people do not vote in a presidential election. Little over half do. Barely half of all young people who have the greatest stake in the future. And when you start moving down to what are called down-ballot races, you know, Senate, representative, and then state elections, which are extremely important because those state legislature elections determine all kinds of things, including who the judges are. So... We could invest a lot of time trying to argue Uncle Bob, you know, to not do something the next time. Or we can reach out to 10 other people who didn't vote because they feel really checked out, especially young people, and just encourage them to participate. In a certain sense, I don't care how young people vote. Basically, I just care that they
1: vote. Yes. I want you to say something about this organization that you have founded and that you are participating in and you're the director and you're inviting all of us, 8 billion people to join you. And this is the Global Compassion Coalition. Rick, please say something about this wonderful organization that's beginning to form and be part of the huge conversation that we need to be having today that passes the reality test.
2: Yeah. And I hope it was okay that I just kind of busted right out there with, for me, what is pretty fact-based, you know, about the current state of uh, political affairs in America.
1: I appreciate your authenticity and, and the voice that you came from and how you framed it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it myself. And I think our listeners do too
2: okay well global compassion coalition really is a new organization we've been up and running for about six months and the whole fundamental idea is to create a new kind of global commons in which millions of people and organizations can finally come together tens of millions eventually hundreds of millions across boundaries of various kinds for the common good organized around compassion which is hard to argue with (laughs) <laughs> and is a fundamental response to suffering, including a response to the causes of so much preventable suffering in the world today, involving children, involving girls and women, involving groups of various kinds, including involving wealth inequality, and certainly involving uh, global warming. Uh, you may know, Justine, that in the last year, notwithstanding all the efforts around climate regulation and all the sloganeering and banner waving about it, more CO2 was excreted up into the sky by human activity in 2022 above what was excreted in 2021. So we have a lot of work to do. So anyway, that's the Global Compassion Coalition. People can go check it out. It's not about any single cause. It's about creating a kind of commons in which people can come together about all the causes that produce so much suffering in humanity.
1: You remind us how humankind, in its present form, has been walking the planet for about 300,000 years. Yeah. And for most of that time, for 290,000 years of that time, we lived in a good, compassionate coalition. And it's only been recent history that we yeah. haven't. So you're bringing us back to that which is natural for us to stand in and to be with one another.
2: Yeah, you've summarized a lot of stuff in a great way. During Stone Age conditions, which were tough and harsh, et cetera, et cetera, bands were organized around what's called caring and sharing compared to the bands of all other primate species, the gorillas, the orangutans, the monkeys, blah, blah. They're organized around alpha dominance sometimes called holding and controlling. But human bands, because they needed to depend on each other, and they knew each other, they lived with each other all their lives mainly, and they had big social brains, unlike those other primate species, we formed a unique strategy of caring and sharing. There's a lot of research literature about this, which means at bottom, compassion and justice. But then with agriculture and large surpluses and large populations, that enabled concentrations of wealth and power that then accelerated over time and have made it more or less like Game of Thrones ever since for most people who've ever lived. That's the basic point. Now, I don't want to go back to the Stone Age. I like refrigerators. I like USBN. <laughs> I like being able to talk with you using Zoom, you know, and listen to New Dimensions on the radio. I like those things. The question becomes, how can we reestablish what is natural and wonderful for us as a species that worked so well for 97% of the time that our ancestors walked the earth? How can we reestablish that foundation of compassion and justice at the scale of the whole human tribe, all 8 billion of us? (laughs) Now, I know that's a great question, and we're working our way to a variety of answers, but that's a great question, isn't it?
1: It's a necessary question for us right now. I think it's the most important question for us right now. Thank you so much, Rick. I want to remind our listeners that you can tune in and join this coalition. You just go to globalcompassioncoalition.org. Do it with your organization and do it as an individual. Do it however you can do it. I've been speaking with Dr. Rick Hansen, and he's the author of many, many, many books, wonderful books, uh, has been a great guest on New Dimensions many times. And his newest book is Making Great Relationships, Simple Practices for Solving Conflicts, Building Connection, and Fostering Love. And to find out more about his work, you can go to Rick Hansen, spell S-O-N, Rick Hansen, Or you can get to both of these websites through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,800 programs in its archive. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please, do join us again.
0: You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org.